0: Well, it's an absolute gift to have Julian and Katia with us. They're currently in Redding, California, but within the next few weeks they're moving to Boston as they get ready to plant their church, Table Boston. So incredibly exciting. I've also just received this in the post. This is Julian's new book, Terra Nova, that's coming out, a phenomenal read. So the point of this interview, we're asking some friends, prophetic figures, people that we've tracked with as a church family at KXE, the same two questions. The first question, which is really ripped out of Matthew 16, where Jesus says to the Pharisees, you can look at the sky and you can forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? And we think it's part of our task as the followers of Jesus to discern what's the Spirit doing right now in this crazy season? How can we jump on board what the Spirit's doing? And the second question is just a bit more personal. What are you learning yourselves about life, about God, about the kingdom in this season? So we'll start with question number one. Um, As you look at the culture, as you look at what God's doing globally, but then locally, um, yeah, what do you read the Spirit's doing in this moment? You know, I
1: I brought some prophetic words Um, in November in England, that there will be a significant awakening that is going to begin to happen. And I'm thinking, I see retrospectively what God said, and this means I now get to lean into the moment with a hopeful expectation that what he said is still true, that he hasn't changed his mind. And so I think for me, that's been the internal process as someone who prophesies regularly is actually connecting the dots again, saying, ah, God's been speaking. Personally, God spoke to us about a season of delay before we'd step into moving into the table busting. And we had our delay wonderfully planned. Um, <laughs> but God has extended that delay. And in that, we've seen God add to us. We've seen God grow our team, things that we could never do through the arm of our own strength. God has done his working things out, even in the midst of a global pandemic. So I think for me, it is the expectation that the best is happening. It's not still to be, it's not still to come. God is using the shake-up, um, as he always does. He uses the worst moments that we think nothing good can come out of it. And he goes, yeah. I can make something happen here. Yeah. And so I feel like we are on the edge, we are in the in the we're ankle deep in the rising tide of the spiritual awakening yes
0: that is going to hit the world um and so it's really exciting time to be alive and i was at one of those gatherings you know where, where you shared some of that stuff you know about the gospel was going to ring out and again even some of the research that's coming out of the uk right now a piece of research commissioned by tier fund that 25 almost 25 percent of the population have tuned into online church services in the demographic of like 18 to 30 it's 34 percent so there's a generation where this spiritual hunger is like alive and they're beginning to tune in it's incredible Katya, same question to you, because I know both of you spend a lot of time traveling the world, speaking into the the church. So you have a really unique perspective, not just in terms of California, but through all of your traveling. What do you see the Spirit doing right now?
2: Sure. I, I, you know, I think there are seasons where God uses the, the moment to put a spotlight on the totally different narrative of the kingdom in comparison to the narrative of the world. And there are some times where life is going perfectly. And even as Christians, we can make those narratives collide. We almost forget that there are two different stories at work. Um, But there are moments like this where one narrative goes so negative that it allows the kingdom narrative to completely cut across. Uh, I believe that's God's intention to allow that narrative to completely cut across. And if we as Christians have the, the wisdom and have the ears to hear what the spirit is saying, then we then have the opportunity to jump in on a kingdom narrative that is completely yes. different to the narrative and to the voice that the world is using in that season. Yeah. You know, in the world, there's this shutdown of, okay, this is my moment to safeguard. How do I lock yeah. everything in? How do I ensure that there I have enough money for tomorrow? The world is looking in and and that's understandable. Where else does the world look in a moment like this? And yet the kingdom narrative hasn't changed from what we find in the Bible hasn't changed from the declaration that yeah. we see Jesus making hasn't changed from the invitation to live lives that are so outrageously generous because we know an outrageously generous father. And so I feel yeah. like even in small details like that, although they're small, when you say them, they're not small when you look at your bank balance, right. But even yeah. in details like that, I believe God is putting a spotlight on what the kingdom sounds like in such an alien way to what the world sounds like and is inviting Christians to step up and inviting Christians to, to we can make a sound, we can agree with a sound in the season, we can agree with the sound yeah. of disappointment, of this is over, of, um, you know, hell has come on earth, all, all of that. Yeah. Or we can agree with the sound that no, no, the kingdom is coming, and this is a moment where generosity shines, where compassion is shining, where reaching out to people in whatever way that might be, that can shine. And so uh, I really feel like this is one of those groundbreaking seasons where it's not just about the negative that's happening but God is saying okay it's time for the positive voice of the kingdom to get ever louder and for that contrast to be what puts the kingdom in spotlight.
0: One of the questions I want to ask you both is this is a time to live by faith you know we can't live by sight because none of us know what's around the corner. I I feel like we're walking through a dark valley like Psalm 23 and we need to hear the voice of our shepherd. He's the only one that can lead us to green pastures and still waters. So I guess there's two questions in this. One, any thoughts about how we tune in, you know, to the voice of the father? How do we grow our prophetic gift right now? Because we need to hear the voice of God. And then also, how do we be bold and live by faith? Like you guys are about to plant a church. This must be one of the craziest moments to plant a church in a city like Boston. You can only do that if you live by faith. I guess any strategy that you had, you're having to sort of rewrite it on the back of a napkin or whatever. So, yeah, two questions. How do we grow in the prophetic? How do we be bold and live by faith? Because I think both are critical to this time. Do you know, one of the things I am most
1: convinced of is that the best prophet in the Bible is Jesus. And when we see him as the full revelation of God, we get the opinion of what God thinks about any given situation. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about how Jesus deals with natural disasters. He speaks peace into that context. There's a storm in a boat. His natural response to that and and the jewish worldview in that season would being that natural disasters are a demonic onslaught there's something that's negative and jesus doesn't address whether it's demonic or not he simply speaks peace into the situation there is something powerful about learning to speak like jesus and you don't have to go on a prophetic course to do that you don't have to um work out a particular skill set. You just need to see Jesus as he is portrayed in the Gospels. Uh, there's something beautiful about the way that he deals with life. And if we can join and echo how he deals with life, it will silence most things around you because that is the clarity of how God speaks and through whom God speaks. Yeah. You know, in Hebrews, it tells us in chapter one that God spoke to us through prophets in many different ways. In fact, one phrase one translation talks about it like little puzzle pieces. But now he speaks to us through Jesus, his son. And he is the full revelation of what what he's thinking about everything. And, and I love that, you know, the, the emphasis there is that the language of God is sonship. And so for me, where I'm no longer traveling, I'm no longer able to, in an expressive way, operating my prophetic gift in ways that I'm used to, mm-hmm. I'm having to lean right back into sonship with Jesus again. And I understand what it means for me to be a son. I understand what it means to hear. His the still, small voice of heaven. And being convinced again, that God is incredibly good and not just good, he's incredibly kind yeah. with his goodness and allowing that to form the narrative, allowing that to form what I speak, you will always reflect the reality you're most aware of. Yeah. And so as I've come into greater understanding for me, after being in ministry for nearly 24 years now of sonship again, again, come to the place of I need a rest that actually God's, a good father and that the voice that needs to drown out every other voice has to be around his goodness, has to be around his kindness, has to be around my settledness, that he's good and that he will not prove himself wrong to me. And so for me, I think I'm learning to speak from that place. How does peace govern my heart?
2: In the seasons when the pressure is on, uh, we've got to be more aware of the diet that we're feeding ourselves. And I don't mean just natural food, although Corona weight gain is a real thing, but. Um, <laughs> but no <kidding. laughs> But in these seasons where we're thinking, you know, how do I keep walking in faith? How do I step out in boldness? How do I hear the word of God? Well, uh, the question before that is, what am I feeding myself? What am I um, allowing my attention to be turned to? And um, a few weeks ago, I really felt God speaking to me about this personally in terms of uh, I was reading in Mark and Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's talking about the end times and um, uses this parable of a master leaving his servants um, in charge of everything. And really, they need to stay alert for the master's return. And Jesus right at the end just says, what I say to you, I say to all stay awake. And I felt God really speak to me about that for this season, that if we're not careful, we can enter into lots of modes of escapism in this season because we're bored and because we don't know what to do. And we're a bit scared and we're uncertain of the future. And Christians are just as much of danger as this as anybody else in terms of, I'm just going to sit and binge watch Netflix all day, which isn't necessarily bad. But if, if there's a sense of, I just want to mute everything. And so I'm just going to Feed on anything that will let me escape this. I felt Jesus speaking to me and saying, "Don't, don't do that. Stay awake. This is a z- season to stay awake. This isn't a season to kind of sleep your way through." and hope that it ends soon. This is a season where Christians actually, we need to open our eyes and we need to uh, make our ears even more sensitive because the enemy will just constantly say to us, just bide your time, like just build a safe cave and hide in it. And God's like, no, the kingdom isn't hiding in this season. This is a season for Christians actually, to be more alert than ever. But to yeah. do that, we've got to be aware of the diet we're feeding ourselves. If we're feasting on news cycles 24-7 and if we're feasting on conspiracy theories, dare I say 24-7, and if we're feasting on um, hearsay from different people, whatever it may be, then the diet that we're giving ourselves is completely contrary to the voice of God in the season. And so this... Moment more than any other maybe, is really encouraging us to read, to pray, to keep listening to faith stories, keep listening to impossible stories. Maybe rather than watching your 10th episode of whatever series, maybe let's go on to YouTube and watch some crazy revival stories and watch clips of Catherine Coleman and just radical, crazy revivalists who maybe we don't agree with everything they did, but they carry a sense of impossibility. I think of our hearts generally like uh, tubes, like the London Underground. And basically our hearts have a finite amount of space in them. And you can pack if you, I'm sure Londoners have been, I used to live in London. I love the underground and rush hour in the underground is quite a special thing, but you know, you can pack as many people in as physically possible. But then there comes this moment where one person risk taker right at the end is like, I'm going to get myself in there. And they just can't, they're like rebounding off the mass of people that are already in there. And that's what we need to do with truth in our hearts. We need to so pack our hearts so full with truth that it's like that last person underground moment where the enemy tries to bring in a lie. It's like there actually isn't any more room on this train. There is no physical space on this train for negativity or for discouragement or for doubt because we're so using this season to invest, to pack full our hearts with truth, with scripture, with testimony, with yeah. worship, whatever that may be. And so I think that's the route to staying bold, to staying faith filled in this season is yeah. intentionally feasting so much that our hearts are packed full and there's no room for anything mm.
0: else. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's incredible. Final question then, just personally, what, what are you guys learning? Um, how are you staying sane? Yeah. How are you growing? In this season? <laughs> Great
2: question, Pete. How are we staying sane? Um... <laughs> Red
0: wine and
1: jazz really does help.
2: <laughs> yes, let's keep it real. We've got two toddlers in the mix. Uh, there are days where it feels like everything is insane. Um, I think we're having grace for each other and learning much more about how to carry each other and how to navigate the atmosphere and culture of our home whilst being sensitive to allowing each other to have a down day. But I think it's been a great thing of um, learning how to speak hope and peace whilst allowing someone to process disappointment And I think we're definitely growing in that um, with each other when one of us is feeling disappointment, not squashing that and saying, no, no, there's no room for you to experience anything other than whatever bliss bliss in this home. But uh, rather allowing the processing of disappointment, which I think is so important. We have to process pain to get to the other side, but still encouraging a culture of peace in that in that processing, I
1: think. Yeah, I think for me, uh, two things. I think my poor family has been subjected to me singing worship <laughs> songs randomly. Um, and God bless them, but it works for me. Um, I yeah, think, I had
2: a lovely voice, darling. <laughs> lovely. Uh,
1: I think, seriously, though, I think finding moments in the crazy just to belt out a song yeah. of love and adoration, shift something in your own eternal atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think finding moments to pray in the Spirit. The Bible tells us yeah. that when we do that, we build up our faith. And I think uh, it is one of the most underrated moments. And, and sometimes we think that praying in the Spirit is just about speaking in tongues. But actually in Romans, it talks about sighs that we cannot express. I think sometimes God just loves a sigh. He just loves the kind of, yeah. oh, God help me, those moments, and, and God's in those moments. He fortifies us in those moments, even when we don't have enough words to communicate that to Him. Um so I think feeling the nearness of, of um, His presence because of being postured in worship, yeah, uh, even in the midst of crazy, even in the midst of me cooking a meal and kids are going crazy, just being able to say, Jesus I love you under my breath or just being able to yeah. sin us on the drugs out every other noise. <laughs> um, yeah. But seriously, I think that's really key for us.
2: Yeah. yeah. And just on a really practical level, I was noticing that um, because we're spending so much more time at home, obviously, that our time on social media for me was going up exponentially because... Yeah. Uh, my time wasn't filled with all the running about and the meetings that I normally have. And so it was a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And by the end of the day, I'm like, I've read a lot of junk today. There's just, you're just not even aware of it because it's a couple of minutes while the kids are screaming around me. And so really practically, I've been trying to just put books around the place, books that are good and that I can just pick up. And rather than have two minutes on the latest Instagram post, I can spend the two minutes and read one page of a book that actually, whether it's a novel, whether it's fiction, whether it's a Christian book, it's just trying to change the... Again, the coping meca- mechanisms that aren't doing me good yeah. and putting in place things that will actually let me flourish instead.
1: There's a great book called All Things <laughs> New. these <laughs> all, <laughs> <news." laughs> all around the house. There's one <laughs> in the toilet, okay. one okay. in all the kitchen. It's all around the house. That <laughs> <laughs> was a
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for your time. That was an absolute gift learning from you both. We love you both so much. And we're praying for the, the church you're about to plant in Boston. So, huge Thank love, God bless. So we love you guys. love.